0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am Doug. Here is Bug with me. And Tug is nowhere to be seen. Oh, sad day. Yeah, but we can't dwell (laughs) on the sadness too long because we are quickly approaching the most wonderful time of the year. Bowl season? I'm I'm not talking about holidays. I'm not even talking about bowl season. I'm talking about Rivalry Week.
1: Ooh, the real Rivalry Week, not the uh, the teasers we've been getting all year, huh?
0: So this is Rivalry Week in the FCS. It's the last weekend of the regular season for the folks in the FCS before Selection Sunday, which, of course, we'll be talking about the playoff selections in the next episode of our show. But after that, we hit FBS Rivalry Week. And ooh, they've given- ooh weekend all-in-one.
1: Oh, boy. You know what that means this week is? SEC Cupcake Week.
0: <laughs>
1: I think we're going to talk about a couple of those in the <laughs> we, we got a few of them. <laughs> that's for sure. I'm excited. I know all the SEC fans are excited because, of course, it just means more for them. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of depressed that Tug isn't here to, to, to make fun of the SEC with us, too. But we're going to talk about his team because – We want them to still be miserable as much as possible.
0: We are contractually obligated for the rest of the entire (laughs) season. What contract am I referring to? Well, it's the rules, of course. We preview every single week of college football by talking about all of the ranked versus ranked matchups, all of the rivalry games. And on top of that, we pick some additional games and we get bonus points for our predictions if we picked good games to watch. Lots of fun stuff. Every single week and rivalry week, it just gets bigger and bigger. This week is I think tied for the biggest show that we've had in terms of number of games that we're picking, and next week is even bigger, even though we won't have any FCS games to talk about. <laughs> it is
1: it is a lot, a lot of games. And hey, you know, when we when we can't decide if a game was good or not, we put it up on X, formerly known as Twitter. Yes. And, uh, we had such a case happen last week between New Mexico state and Western Kentucky. We, we had that one where we were like, "Eh, it, by your own admission, it could go either way. It was close. And, uh,
0: good. And I, I, I recognize there were, there was a reason to think it was, uh, not as great of a game as I wanted it
1: to be, but. and, And, you know, we, we put it up on X and, uh, it was overwhelmingly yes, seventy-four percent. You were getting that plus one, sir. Congratulations. I I'm with you one hundred percent. I agree with the X poll for uh, for what it's worth. And Tug, who's not here, we can't shame him publicly in front of everybody for disagreeing that it was a good game. So, I actually uh, think he was leaning yes, but like wasn't confident.
0: <laughs> Similar to me, actually. So I think we're all okay with that result. I. I'll be honest with you, I took a huge gamble and went ahead and gave myself the plus one on the slides <laughs> last night because I saw how well
1: this ball was going for me. It did. I did. I, it out. I I felt pretty good. Uh, I felt pretty good seeing it. So,
0: Which means that everybody agrees. New Mexico State, Western Kentucky was a great game, or at least most people agree. And New Mexico State is incredible football to watch, as we all definitely agree. Uh, maybe we'll talk about them later. We'll have to see. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Starting us we'll off, see. though, we do have to jump into the midweek rivalry matchups, of which we have two to talk about this week. The first one was insane the Battle of I 75, Toledo at Bowling Green. We all picked the Rockets, and holy shit, did they make us sweat. Uh, 32-31 was the final score. I think Toledo was down by three scores at one point. Just kept climbing back a little bit at a time. (laughs) Fourth down, like 60 yards into the end zone with like a minute left in the game. And Bowling Green just couldn't answer that fast. Oh, my gosh. You know, what,
1: what's crazy, too, is Scott Lawler has really just continued what Bowling Green has had over the recent years, a fucking high-powered offense and a mediocre-at-best defense. It's amazing that that's pretty much continued uh, from one coach to another. I'm curious if when he uh, departs, if that will remain the same. I almost went Bowling Green. Because they impressed me so much the week before, and I am so glad I rode uh, rode your guys' coattails to thicken with the Rockets here.
0: You rode the rocket all the way to the moon.
1: Oh yeah, baby.
0: <laughs> bring that meme back. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> and next up in the FCS, we had the River Bell Classic. Nichols, who had already clinched the Southland Conference and a spot in the FCS playoffs, as a result. Facing off with their rival Southeastern Louisiana. That game is currently going on right now. Nichols does have the lead. And Southeastern Louisiana just missed a field goal. So it's 21-13 right now. And Nichols mm. they're playing well. Uh, I I tuned in for the entire second quarter. It got sloppy for Nichols at a point there, but it looks like they're finding their footing again, footing again. And uh hopefully hopefully they can
1: clutch this out. Well I do think that is the issue with Nichols too is you know what was it it was it was the year it was the fall after that uh that spring or maybe it was the spring season. They were putting up 60 points at will right uh, and it seems like that uh, that fall they had the hurricane and they have it feels like they just haven't recovered from that even even now uh, sitting here at five and four.
0: Well, it felt like it coincided with the rise and fall of southeastern Louisiana a little bit, too. Cole Kelly got in and beat the dog shit out of Nichols, and then now Cole Kelly's gone, and Nichols is back on top. (laughs)
1: Crazy, right?
0: (laughs) And with Nichols beating, upsetting Incarnate Word in the regular season, there was nobody even close to the Nichols undefeated in conference record right now, which is also really funny to me. They're 5-4 and overall. But technically right now, 6-0 and in the Southland Conference because they had a forfeit that doesn't count for their overall record oh, Yeah, <laughs> with Northwestern State. Oh, geez, that whole situation That's is brutal. It's, it's not good. But that puts us where we are right now with the overall records. You might be wondering, why am I ahead of Tug still with one fewer win to my name? That's because all these dang bonus points. He really sucked at picking good games for a stretch there, including a minus one last week. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging off for dear life.
1: I'm coming though. I'll be there soon.
0: Pause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Let's go ahead and dive, dive into, dive into
1: the, uh, Frank versus
0: Frank matchups. <laughs>
1: Oh, exactly. boy. What what a day. What a great <laughs> podcast already. <laughs> what a great podcast. I, before, oh, before we get into the games, there was a little bit of a shakeup in the top four for the college football playoff rankings. What are your thoughts on Georgia stepping up to number one here?
0: I entirely understand and expected it next week. This week, it felt maybe a bit premature to me, but I... I get where they're coming from to an extent. The way Georgia beat Ole Miss, incredible, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Can't take that away from them. Uh, Bowers is back. The offensive line appears to be at least mostly healthy. The big-time starters are. Um, sorry, Xavier Trust, but you're not as impactful as Amarius Mims, If I remember <laughs> your first name this time. There you go. Um, they they just – they're firing on all cylinders. And they – it really, as weird as it sounds, it really feels like Carson Beck is their best quarterback since Matthew Stafford,
1: just the way he's playing this season. Off the heels of, of Stenson Bennett, probably the, the best college football story in the past 20 years. Yeah, but
0: a pure game manager in every sense of the word. <laughs> and <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So now you have somebody who with, like, arm talent, so that's scary. <laughs> uh, and Ohio State has not been as explosive as everyone has come to expect of Ohio State. You know, beating Michigan State thirty something to three is a great win. You're kind of riding the expectations of the Ryan Day offenses of the past five years, where two years ago that's a seventy to 30 game and everyone's loving on us now that it's 30 something to almost nothing. It's, it's not viewed as favorably. So I I, I do understand where they're coming from. It's just, it does feel like maybe a bit premature to me. It's
1: it's a more big 10 score, especially on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, but I will say too, after the Tennessee game, I can understand entirely, right? If they do to Tennessee what they just did to Ole Miss, there's no doubt in my mind Georgia's going to jump them, be number one
1: in the country. But yeah, and I, I, I do. I do think too that having Ohio State and Michigan right next to each other going into the game is definitely something they're thinking about because, yeah, realistically, whoever's the lower ranked, which right now is Michigan, and I don't see a way that they would jump Ohio State. Obviously, they're just going to move into that number two spot and, the, and Ohio State would fall off. And then same thing, reverse it. Uh, if Ohio State wins, they'll maintain their spot. Michigan would fall out. Potentially, that'd be enough for Ohio State to jump back into the number one spot, uh, depending on how things went. I don't know at this point. <laughs> I, think, I think another thing it sets up, though,
0: it helps prevent the scenario where you have Ohio State loses the game and then You can't drop them six, seven spots for losing to the new number one or two team in the country. Right. So you potentially have a one loss Ohio State who doesn't have a conference title game to go to still in the top four. This kind of helps ease that a little bit too, which sucks. And it does definitely feel like gamesmanship on the part of the committee. But you kind of have to almost force to play that game when you have... A potential very strong potential for five undefeated power five champions. Now,
1: I will also throw this out here as much as I don't envy Four. the CFP committee, I don't envy those guys that are going to go in on selection Sunday and have to pull some teams out. One of my games reflects that, and we will talk about a, a few other games that are going to have some serious implications going into selection Sunday for the FCS as well. Yeah, pulling out has never been your strong suit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> three kids, three kids. There's my proof. <laughs> Moving on to the rank versus rank matchups here. Starting us off with a heater, absolute slapperoni pizza. Number 18, Chattanooga at number eight, Alabama. So if you weren't, if you haven't been with us the entire season, this might be like, what the heck is, are you guys doing? Uh, we take all of the ranked teams from the FCS top 25, stats perform top 25 full. And from the FBS, right now it's the playoff committee. It was the AP poll way back when the college football playoff committee hadn't released their rankings yet. We started this little tradition for ourselves uh, when there were no other rank versus rank matchups to talk about because weeks one and two, it's like FBS versus FCS all over the place. Uh, Now that it's cupcake week, we're right back at it. Number 18, Chattanooga. And number eight, Alabama. Yeah, we're all taking Alabama.
1: <laughs> I, I will say, I don't think Alabama. If if this game was taking place week five, week four or five, like for whatever I reason, you're,
0: well, you're gonna pull a tug and say if this game were taking place in Chattanooga. Oh no, be- <laughs> no.
1: If this. If this game were taking place, say like week five, when Alabama had all these question marks around Jalen Milro hadn't really found his stride, there coming off they were, they would have been about two weeks removed from that tough game against USF where Milro didn't even play. Yeah, with this game there, I I see a path for Chattanooga to shock them because they'd have been looking at a gauntlet of the SEC the rest of the way through. Here, this is this is the norm for them to play an FCS opponent and then go and play against Auburn the next week. I will say, though, I don't think they were ready for Chattanooga to be one of the better teams at the
0: FCS level. I will say that if this game were week one through five, wherever that you think might actually pose a challenge to them, it would probably go nearly identically to how Georgia UT Martin went earlier this year, where it was like, dang, that's actually kind of close in the first half, and then Alabama would – whoop their asses and it's a forty eight to seven kind of a game like Georgia beat UT
1: Martin. That's typically how they go early in the season. I will I will give you that. Uh
0: this game might also be forty eight to seven, but I'll kind of feel like it won't ever be in doubt this time because it's cupcake week. And yeah. Sorry, Chattanooga, that's that's where you're at in life.
1: <laughs> but you're gonna get paid millions of dollars, so it's all good. Worth it.
0: Next up here, Villanova at Delaware. This game is very much so a decider for the CAA conference title and the automatic qualifier to the FCS playoffs. Both these teams are probably in any way. Amanda AQ and a potential seed and potential buy in the first round. Massive, massive things to play for here. It is also a rivalry game, Battle of the Blue. Both teams are going to be putting their best effort out here. Which makes it a little bit scary. We're all siding with the Blue Hens of Delaware.
1: I think that's more of a familiarity thing, especially for me. I've I've seen Delaware break my heart a couple times watching SIU in the playoffs. This is, of course, the school that produced Joe Flacco, Uh, and carrying that Michigan look—that's you know taking taking the uh, imitating the look of one of the winningest programs in college football history—is as much as you hate it. It's not, yeah. Exactly, as much <laughs> as you hate it, it's not a not a bad strategy.
0: My legitimate analysis of this game is everything is almost dead ass even the biggest difference being Delaware's at home, and their quarterback has thrown two fewer interceptions. That's like the only difference in their stats the entire season. I guess I'm gonna go with Delaware for those reasons alone. <laughs> Ah, uh, the winner of this game is not guaranteed to win the CAA. It also comes down to uh, what Albany's doing and what Richmond and William and Mary get up to. Uh, there are some weird tiebreakers. Those are all listed out in the Discord, though. If you join our Discord, you can read all about it. I laid out it's, every single conference's tiebreaker
1: scenarios this weekend.
0: It's pretty intense. This week.
1: There's a lot going on.
0: Football is making a push
1: here. Check it out. Check it out on Flow Football. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. This next one is a little bit easier to comprehend, though. This is the Brawl of the Wild, and it's for all the marbles in the Big Sky. The winner of this game will win the Big Sky Conference, no matter who wins it, and no matter what else happens in the Big Sky this weekend. Montana State at Montana. Montana has held the a pretty strong stranglehold on the rivalry historically ever since the Brawl of the Wild branding and the huge 300-some-pound trophy was invented, it's actually been a dead-even series uh, the past like 20 years. So it's a little bit scary. Uh, I have said pretty confidently earlier in the year, I believe Montana State to be one of the best teams in the entire FCS. They were a questionable call away from beating the Jackrabbits, of South Dakota State, and then the the big sky happened to them. They did drop another game. The Grizz, on the other hand, got better and better throughout the entire season. Every single game for them was better than the previous game, which is terrifying. Uh, that's why I'm going with Montana here. But, man, I could definitely see Montana State pulling this out. This is going to be a fantastic
1: game. I also could see Montana State pulling this out, which is why I don't blame Tug for going that direction. But I feel like Montana has turned it on and turned it on massively, whereas Montana State, they've stumbled a few more times. They're going on the road. I did not realize how big Washington Grizzly Stadium was. It's, it's – like this does not look – this would be a very reasonably sized group of five stadium. Oh, yeah. And this is where the Grizzlies call home. That place is going to be rocking. I'm going to give them that edge out of this one. This place, how much does it hold? Where's the 25,217. Uh, yeah. I mean, this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's got an upper deck. It wraps around both end zones. That's not a usual FCS stadium. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun, and I really love how the entire state of Montana has really embraced this rivalry. I mean, even over just the last Half. twenty years, it's been even growing more and more and more. Uh, I think as Montana State has gotten more competitive in the rivalry, that's been a big factor.
1: The entire state's gonna be there. What are I mean, what are we talking? Oh yeah,
0: about? oh yeah. The entire state population fits into the stadium, and they will all be there. <laughs> <laughs> Next up here, heading to the Pac-12, number 22, Utah, at number 17, Arizona. Man, this is a tale of two wildly different teams. Uh, Expectations for both schools, vastly different. Some people might say Utah's been underperforming. At the same time, they're playing with like third and fourth string guys at some positions. And I think everybody would agree Arizona is massively overperforming preseason expectations where they were thought to be at the stage of the rebuild process. Oh, man, Arizona has been a fun team as of late. The reason I'm picking Arizona, though, is this game is in Arizona. And every Pac-12 game that happens in that state is wacky and usually goes in favor of the Arizona home team. Uh, that's, That's kind of the only reasoning I have here. Utah is the more physical team. Arizona is going to do some wacky shit and make this very fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know Tug went Arizona's way because they're at home. I, I think that's a fair guess for us to make here. That That's his yeah. MO. And I think it's a fair MO. That's kind of what you've defaulted to as well. I will say, though, Utah, they, they've lost some steam, and a lot of it is. It's catching up to them that they're not playing with their starters, and probably some of that hope of Cam Rising coming back was giving the guys a little extra to make sure they're in a good spot moving into the later half of the you know the latter parts of the season. With Cam Rising being out, this is this is going to be a gut check as far as next man up in this situation. Uh, This could be this could determine uh, kind of that tier of bowl they go into the hey, more people are going to watch, going to be closer to the holidays versus first week of bowl season and it's, you know, right after whatever Mac team and Mountain West team are playing in the who gives a shit bowl, right? We do. We do. (laughs) Of course we do. (laughs) I'm going with Utah because I do think they have a little bit more there. I think that Arizona has been outperforming where they should be. And while you could argue that Utah has as well because they've been playing with so many backups, that culture, that mindset, it's more ingrained there. And I think that at the end of the day is going to help them go over the top here. Their three losses. It's not that they've gotten blown out. They've still put up a very good fight, and I do think they're just a better talent team than Arizona.
0: I mean, you can say that, and I definitely
1: agree with you, but it's not like Arizona's been
0: blown out either. Uh, One touchdown separated them and who people are calling a definite playoff team right now in Washington and a two point craziness at USC, which happens. I mean, they have one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football. It's still fair to say Cal Williams. Arizona is also playing with the little hope that they have of reaching the Pac-12 title still intact. It's slim but it is there. They need to win out for that to happen. This is a massive step towards that. And the next week in rivalry week against Arizona State. Also crazy, future Big 12 matchup here.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> the Tupac coming in hot. <laughs> next up here,
0: a game that we've already a little bit touched on, Georgia at Tennessee this weekend. It is a third Saturday of the month, but I don't know if they really consider this one a rivalry. They probably do. (laughs) Who are we kidding? They probably act like everybody's out to get them over at Tennessee. Uh, We're all picking Georgia because I made the mistake of picking Tennessee last week, and I regretted it instantly.
1: I think Tug finally came around to admitting that Georgia is a really good team. Uh, if that game at Ole Miss had been close, he 100% <laughs> takes Tennessee regardless of the fact they just got their doors blown off by Mizzou. Right. Uh, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind George is going to go into Knoxville and beat the dog shit out of Tennessee.
0: Knoxville, more like Pound Town when George is coming through.
1: <laughs> Moving right along. North
0: Dakota State at Northern Iowa in a Big game for playoff implications, but unfortunately no bearing on the Missouri Valley Conference title. South Dakota State's already got that on lock. Uh, North Dakota State has been, I don't know, it's been a weird season for them. It's, It's definitely not what we've come to expect of the Bison, but unfortunately for them, speaking of high expectations, what everyone expects from them is to go undefeated and win the national championship every single season now which is crazy because they've done that like nine of the past 15 years. So good luck, Bison, living up to your expectations. Uh, I I appreciate that Northern Iowa is at home and that Dome is nuts. I kind of feel like this is an elimination game from the playoffs, though. And when that happens, I'm picking the Bison.
1: And this is where I start wondering – what is this playoff picture going to look like? Because right, if if North Dakota State wins, you and I is out. If you and I wins, both teams very well still could make it, and that's kind of a story that's going to carry on into my picks later. Or both teams later. could be out. Or I both mean, there there are a lot of teams
0: with that six seven wins right now, like right on the bubble.
1: Yeah, this Oof. is this is a massive massive game. I, like I said, I would not want to be part of the selection committee. And I'll I'll talk more on this later. I'm going with the bison as well because I agree with you. This With stakes like this, I'm putting my trust behind North Dakota State. And give me mine medium
0: well. Absolutely. Because, uh, because we were talking bison
1: meat here, and that's scary to me. <laughs> bison chili sounds amazing. We had a chili cook-off at work today, and, like, I'm glad nobody's in the room with me because I'd be knocking them out right now, but man, so much good, good chili.
0: That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that.
1: That was great.
0: (laughs) I'm glad I can't smell it. Next up, the Sunflower Showdown, number 21, Kansas State at number 25, Kansas. Kansas dropped nine spots after their loss last weekend. Kansas State is still very much so in the hunt for the big 12 title game. I guess Kansas kind of is too, but it feels like this is Kansas State's road to uh, to lose. You know, that's that would be crazy, honestly. A Texas Kansas State title game after after all this. Uh, everybody's still sleeping on the Wildcats. That would be that would be pretty funny though. This game is in Kansas though, which of course means Tugs picking Kansas. <laughs>
1: I, I'm i going with K-State. I got to. I want to say that Kansas was looking ahead to this game, and that caused some some errors that didn't allow them to close the game out against Texas Tech. I don't think they're going to make that same mistake twice uh, because I, I know that they have to win out to have a shot at the Big 12 title game. Right. Do it against your rival at home, defending conference champion, keep those hopes alive. That's huge for them. I'm go- I'm going to ride with Kansas on this as well.
0: I just got a point to how well Will Howard has been playing this year and so under the radar too, like legitimately a good season for him. I, I there's, I think there's a little bit of a storyline too with Jalen Daniels potentially finding his way onto the field in this one, which almost feels like more of a distraction at this point than a help, which sounds bad. Jalen Daniels is phenomenal. Uh, But just pick a guy and do your best with him at some point. Swapping quarterbacks in and out in the middle of a game is not the best strategy. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up here, heading back to the Pac-12, number five, Washington at number 11, Oregon State. And Washington is definitely the favorite in this one uh, for understandable reasons. Oregon State, however, is one of my favorite stories of the past three years. I'm picking the Beavers mostly for that. The the offensive line is phenomenal for both teams. The defense is really solid for both teams. Not phenomenal, but really solid. I believe both quarterbacks are equally sensational. People aren't really talking about DJ Uyengole as much as Michael Penix, in part because of the style of offense that Oregon State plays, which favors Uyengole's te- uh, skill level more and probably prepares him for the NFL more than what Washington's doing with Penix, if we're being serious about this. This is a very evenly matched game to me. I know Washington is favored because of their talent gap in a couple of key positions, but, man, the Beavers seem to find ways to overcome that most of the time.
1: You know, it, it was weird to me. I probably – I got in here last. Uh, I probably would have gone with Washington had Tug done what he normally does and goes with the home team in games like this. I I don't know if maybe it's because he doesn't like DJ Uyangalele or or he's just a huge Michael Penix fan. The way Washington has struggled, I would have – I would have risked, <clears throat> I would have considered risking, I should say, the memory here and you know, giving us a clean sweep of Oregon State because I know how tough it is to play in Corvallis. For whatever reason, Tug went with Washington, and I'm I'm taking that edge because you're right. There are a few places where Washington definitely out talents Oregon State. However, you could say that about pretty much everybody they've played, and they've had a couple right. close calls lately this is the game where it could catch up to them and knock them out of playoff contention. Which feels a little bit
0: insane, but also, man, Washington and Florida State both have been playing it very close. And I think that's honestly why they've stayed exactly where they are in the rankings instead of Washington moving up to four already. It's like both of these teams are not playing their best football as of late. Washington's best football was when they played Oregon, and they've been like riding that the rest of the way. I don't know. I I I like the beavers so much. I want to see this happen. It'd be I, great
1: you and me both.
0: <laughs> oh man. So that's it for the rank versus rank matchups. We have quite a few rivalry games to talk about ain't nothing to it but to do it. Let's dive on in starting at noon Eastern with The game, number 24, Harvard at Yale. Now, Harvard has already clinched at least a share of the Ivy League title. I think Yale has a chance to tie them in the Ivy League standings. If they beat the Crimson here, we are all picking Harvard to win this game, though.
1: And it's ridiculous that Harvard won't go to the playoffs because they're in the Ivy League and school's more important, apparently. I mean... It is Harvard.
0: <laughs> they get to do whatever they want. It is Harvard.
1: <laughs> What's the protest going to be about?
0: Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I think they're going to protest. Oh goodness, they're going to protest that not enough stores in their local area sell YooHoo because it's the best drink of all time. <laughs> Approved. (laughs) And it's more of a Southern specialty. (laughs) Next up here, number two, Furman at Wofford, which, wow, what a tale of two different teams this season. Uh, We're all picking Furman for hopefully obvious reasons, because Furman is really good, and Wofford is really not good.
1: If we get a beveled, beveled dog this week, I'll be okay with that. (laughs)
0: if you know, you know. Next up, the rivalry, the oldest rivalry in all of college football, number 24, Lafayette at Lehigh. This is the first time in a while Lafayette's been in the top 25, and they've been riding it for the past few weeks here. Uh, Lafayette is a real shot to make the playoffs and probably is the automatic qualifier out of the Patriot League. Lehigh can spoil some of that. With a huge upset win in the rivalry, but we're all riding with the Leopards,
1: as we should. I don't think there's any reason not to. Uh, and just to clear this up, we do have a little bit of a typo. Harvard is number twenty-three, and Lafayette is twenty-four. They they are not tied for twenty-four. Just wanted to clear that up before we move on here. Damn, damn, happened again. <laughs> Happens, it does happen on occasion.
0: Uh, it's like three times in the last six weeks. So,
1: damn fingers
0: done, goofed. All right, Michigan State at Indiana. This is for the old brass spittoon down in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, Neither school has had a great season, putting it mildly. A lot of people are suggesting that Tom Allen may be one of the next head coaches to be relieved of his duties. Uh, Michigan State already got rid of their head coach, Mel Tucker. This is this is a pretty evenly matched rivalry, all things considered, this season. As weird as that is, I am going to go with Indiana. I, just, I feel like their offense is a little bit more explosive than anything that Michigan State has to offer. I would have picked them even if this game were in East Lansing. Uh,
1: Yeah, I I think losing Mel Tucker kind of evaporated any chance Michigan State really had of doing anything productive this season. Uh, And I think Indiana's primed to take advantage of that and pull out a win here.
0: Next up, a very massive slide for us. All of the 1 o'clock Eastern games all lumped together on one convenient location. Starting us off. Columbia at Cornell, the Empire State Bowl. I flipped a coin. Landed on Cornell.
1: I, You landed on Cornell? You sure you didn't land on Columbia?
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. Landed on Columbia.
1: I <laughs> mean, if you want to change it, if you want to change it, you can. <clears throat> You're allowed to. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. Columbia yeah, this is fine. Cr- this game is going to be disgusting. Uh, Tugging myself to Cornell. Yeah. Uh, next up.
0: <laughs> That's how much we think of that game. <laughs> Moving right along. The battle for the Bryce Cowell Musket. Maine at New Hampshire. This game would have been a lot more interesting last season. After a couple of transfers, a couple of graduations, neither team is performing at the same level. Maine fell off significantly. New Hampshire... and feels like they can hang around with most teams, but definitely not the same offense we've come to expect the past two seasons out of these Wildcats. Even still, we are all siding with New Hampshire.
1: It's even more depressing to me that Maine has fallen off as hard as they have. They were respectable last year, and 2-8 and this year, this is not what this program wants. It's depressing that it's kind of coming to this uh, here at Rivalry Week Forum as well.
0: Their quarterback did transfer
1: to Virginia, so half <laughs> there
0: Next up, Morgan State at Howard. This is a massive game for multiple reasons. Howard has a shot to go undefeated in the MEAC with a 6-5 and five overall record and win the MEAC, taking the spot in the Celebration Bowl, which would – Potentially free up a spot in the college football playoff, the FCS playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs for NC Central, who got dominated by Howard last week, 50 to 20. Uh, To do that, Howard needs to win this game first to lock that up. And then the committee needs to look pretty favorably on that NC Central team. I don't know. This is this is crazy. We're all picking Howard to win.
1: I I think we're almost outside the game. Yeah, I think we're almost willing NC Central into the playoffs at this point. They're currently ranked number 17 and the stats perform top 25. That bodes in their favor, I would say. And yeah. uh man, I I think a lot of this is the will of uh our our collective will to get Howard over the hump win this game and get them to the Celebration Bowl so we can see NC Central, how they stack up against the rest of the FCS.
0: I actually like Morgan State quite a bit. I am taking Howard, though. Uh, again, it's it is a lot of hopium. <laughs> I like we'll that. What happens here. <laughs> I like that. Another Ivy League game here, Princeton at Penn. Penn has looked like the better team at most points this season, but Princeton... Seems to have a knack for pulling it out in rivalry games, except for when I pick them to win. So I'm picking Penn, which means guaranteed point for bug here.
1: Hell yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> I, I had to roll with the Tigers here. Again, these guys don't want to participate in the rest of college football, so I don't care that much. I've, I've, I've been very vocal about fuck the Ivy League from the beginning for what it's worth. You, you definitely don't, have. Don't at me. <laughs> Next up. Richmond at William & Mary, one of those
0: games that could help decide the CAA title when it's all said and done. Richmond has a very outside shot at being crowned the CAA champions. They need to win this game and win it by a lot of points to win those tiebreakers, uh, which I think Richmond can win. I don't expect it to be a blowout, though. William & Mary is definitely not the team they were last year but that defense is still very strong. And I, I don't trust Richmond to pour it on, but this is the capital cup. And I guess anything could happen.
1: The last couple weeks for William and Mary has all but diminished any hope I have in them pulling anything crazy out At, for them. And UIW, the last couple weeks have really just changed the narrative on them across the FCS landscape. And sure. this, is, this is a continuation of it. You, you see Richmond receiving votes, and the stats performed for top 25. William & Mary not even talked about at this point. I know Tug saw him at home and went that direction. I can't say I'll blame him. I do still think there's something there, but I'm going to ride with Richmond. Yeah,
0: that's probably his exact reasoning. It's a home team and a rivalry.
1: <laughs> Speaking of home teams and rivalries.
0: Yeah, that is all of our reasoning for this one. The Paniolo Trophy, Hawaii at Wyoming, only available on Spectrum Pay Per View. Even though Good it's luck. not in Hawaii this time, it's in Wyoming, and it's still being broadcast on Hawaii's contract with Spectrum Pay Per View. Gross, uh, but it's in Hawaii. It's in Wyoming, which means we're picking Wyoming.
1: Yes. All right, I'm going to click the slide. I'm going to show all the games. Spoiler alert, i walked my wife out of the house. I'll be right back. Ooh,
0: fun. <laughs> all right, I get to talk about these unimpeded for a moment. This is exciting and dangerous. Uh, next up here, <laughs> Cincinnati at West Virginia. Man, Cincinnati has not looked good for the vast majority of this season. I think the one game they looked really good in was the game I went to. Very early in the year against Eastern Kentucky, which, I mean, yeah, it's against Eastern Kentucky. West Virginia, on the other hand, has been surprisingly decent, at least early in the year. A little bit of a fall off when it came to Big 12 play against some of the stronger teams in their conference. But, man, we're all riding with Mountaineers here. And that's a trend that's going to continue the rest of this slide. You can already see, if you're watching us on Twitch... Thank you for doing so as with us live or watching us live on YouTube or after we're live later on YouTube. Thank you very much. You can already see what's on the slide. Uh, next up is Alcorn State at Jackson State. Not universally, but I like to call it the Soul Bowl. still. Uh, down there in Jackson, Mississippi, the Braves are coming to this one. Uh, a little bit, I don't know, a little bit out of it, I think. Like, they they had a real shot to be in the conversation for the SWAC championship game. And not so much after the past two weeks. Jackson State isn't going to be in that SWAC championship game either. But they can still put together an eight-win season that would be phenomenal. And they're at home in a rivalry game. It's all the reasons that Tug loves. We are all going with the Tigers at Jackson State. And then next up here in Nashville, Tennessee Tech at Tennessee State. This is a three-way rivalry with UT Martin. Now, UT Martin did already clinch the Sergeant York Trophy, but Tennessee Brittle. Tech Tennessee State are bigger rivals with each other than either of them are with UT Martin in the first place. So this is still a very fiercely contested matchup here. Tech at State, though I mean, State is the better team, definitively, and has been for a very long time. So <laughs> even we're all, if, running, we're all running with the
1: Tigers, even if they didn't show it last week. They uh... well,
0: <laughs> you know, happens. It happens. It <laughs> happens to the best of them. <laughs> Next up here, Sacramento State at UC Davis in the Causeway Classic. Very much feels like another potential elimination game from the FCS playoffs. Sacramento State has not exactly been playing up to their potential. I don't know. It feels like they could have done more. That FBS win is going to do a lot for them. Uh, But UC Davis, I don't know. It feels like UC Davis does this every year. Like they're... Their record's pretty mid, but, man, do they look solid when you watch yeah. them. And I don't know. I'm going with UC Davis on this.
1: Nothing but a gut feeling. When it comes to winning this game, though, I, I feel like we've been riding this. Yeah, okay, they are actually good enough to win. Yeah, okay. It, it hasn't been a lot of confidence we've been putting in them as we, as they've been winning the past couple weeks. I feel like that's about to run out, and I feel like Sacramento State is about to really show who they are and show us what we're going to get from them in the playoffs.
0: This is a miss on my
1: part, by the way. Sacramento
0: State is number eight in the FCS. Stats perform top 25, uh, which I tried to go back and fix all those, and I missed this one. Happens. Next up, the victory bell, UCLA at USC. The Crosstown rivalry color-on-color matchup. UCLA in their bright blues. USC in their maroons, or whatever they want to call them. Uh, This is very probably... Whatever. is what it is. Trojan colors. Uh, This is very probably Chip Kelly's last game head coaching UCLA. Which is insane to me, but... Okay, if that report is true, then we're all predicting he goes out with a loss in the victory bill.
1: You know, part of it is that's a distraction that they don't need going into this right. game. Right. Because I agree. everything that I've seen has basically said he's gone. He's expected mm-hmm. to be fired regardless of the result of this game. Yeah. It's not even a he's play, he's coaching for his job this week. It's just he's done. And I wonder how much that's going to affect the team going into this one or and his coaching for that matter. And they've got to go across town to USC, to the Coliseum to play this one. The Trojans, the season has not gone exactly how they wanted it to. Caleb Williams is looking to put on an absolute show in this one. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't – man, it, it – You would have a tough time convincing me that UCLA is a good pick for this one. The one thing UCLA has going for it in this matchup is
0: the ferocity of that pass rush and just how dominant it has been throughout the season so far. If they can get pressure on Caleb Williams consistently for the entire game, I will grant you Caleb Williams is probably – the best quarterback in college football at creating plays outside of the construct of the plate that is called. So maybe maybe even still you might want to lean USC, but they have a couple of phenomenal edge rushers and some defensive tackles that can still penetrate. So that defensive line of UCLA is the thing to watch here. If USC can keep that under control, it might end up getting ugly.
1: It's definitely definitely going to be an interesting one, and one I think everybody should keep an eye on.
0: Next up here, Baylor at TCU. Alamid.
1: That, you know, that was kind of what came to mind when I saw this too. I was like, man, this – what could have been? What could have been for both of these teams? This could have been such a massive game, and right here we are just – oh, shit, this one's happening again.
0: What, 2014, this was – supposed to be a play-in game for the first ever college football playoff. Mm -hmm. Ohio State happened to them. But (laughs) uh, TCU is still fighting for bowl eligibility. They need to win out in order to do it. That starts with this week against Baylor. I am picking the Bears because I don't trust that defense for TCU. Not that I really trust the defense for Baylor either, but hey, if Baylor's offense is going to find a way to get going against somebody, it's probably going to be against these Horn Frogs.
1: You know, I, I wanted to go all over the place a little bit here, and uh, I don't trust anything. So I'm taking Tug's method and going with the home team. I'll also throw out here TCU's logo that they're putting out, I get lost in it. It's a, new, a completely new logo, new design uh, going into this game. I get lost in it. Maybe Baylor's going to be staring at their helmets and not understand what's going on. Like, I kind of am. You know, the possibilities are endless. Realistically, though, Baylor would love to play spoiler. I think TCU wants to get back to a bowl game more than Baylor wants to play spoiler. They want to show that they're not completely done, that last year wasn't a absolute fluke, even though it certainly looks that way now. And, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Horn Frogs here.
0: I kind of have to ask, though, after this season and last season fell short of expectations, when are we going to be talking about Dave Aranda as a guy on the hot seat?
1: That The tough thing is, like, Baylor seems like it's about the fourth or fifth school that comes to mind when you think Texas football. I know. I know. And I think that's part... If he was at Texas Tech... For us, would probably, maybe even lower,
0: because we love UTSA and UTEP and te- Texas State.
1: I mean, if if this was... If this was Texas Tech, I think he's gone. If this was TCU, I think he's gone. If this was SMU, eh, maybe. They just spent too much money getting the ACC to fire anybody, so... No, that's true. <laughs> i i don't really know i mean go down the line i don't even think north texas accepts this well they
0: didn't last year they were in the conference usa title game and fired their head
1: coach there you go exactly (laughs) exactly so man i you gotta wonder maybe baylor's just doing a better job of keeping it under wraps uh but man if if he's around next year it's it will be the talk of our uh, our conference preview. will be Dave Aranda and his flaming hot seat.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Got to say, though, respect an athletic director for having that much faith in your head coach to actually commit to a full rebuild with one guy. Yeah. Most, most places don't do that anymore. We'll see how it goes for <laughs> Next up here, Bethune-Cookman at number 11, Florida A&M. Florida A&M has already clinched their spot in the SWAC title game. Of course, the winner of the SWAC goes on to play in the Celebration Bowl. Looking like that will probably end up being Florida A&M. But first, they have to get through Bethune-Cookman in the Florida Classic, which will be a neutral site in or- Orlando, Florida. We are all picking the Rattlers in this one, for the very obvious reason that Bethune-Cookman is not good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, there, there's that, and then Florida a is very good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I pretty mean, good. This, this one seems pretty obvious, but it is a rivalry game, and moreover, it's a rivalry game at a neutral site with a yeah. lot of implications on the line for Florida a and Bethune-Cookman's going to be going out there with nothing to lose. I'm not calling a, an upset. I'm, of course, not picking an upset, but suffice to say, it would not be the most surprising thing that happens this weekend.
0: I agree, but I, I do think FAMU pulls it out. Obviously, I picked them to win the game, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> uh, moving on here, McNeese at Lamar, the Battle of the Border. Now, McNeese is 0-9. Um, they have played like it, so it really <laughs> wasn't that tough of a decision for me. Now, in the Southland Conference, actually, Lamar has been putting up a pretty good fight with everybody, even though they're a 5-5 five and five team right now. Actually, they haven't looked that bad. So, I'm pretty comfortable taking Lamar in this one, which it can only spell disaster, I'm sure.
1: How crazy would it be for McNeese to get their one and only win in the rivalry game to finish the season off? What Talk yeah. about something to build on, right?
0: Right, that's the kind of thing that makes you keep your head coach for another year anyway.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Next
0: up here, Cal at Stanford in the big game. Now, this will be an ACC matchup next year. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, but I'm t- I'm siding with the Cal Bears. I really like this offense to, like, a surprising amount. I didn't expect to like this offense at all. Uh, I don't like their defense, though. Unfortunately for Stanford, I don't like their offense or their defense. So if I have to pick one thing that I like, the only thing about this game that I like is Cal's offense. So I guess I'll pick Cal to win the game.
1: That tree is fucking creepy. They produced Christian McCaffrey. And the other team produced Aaron Rodgers. So it's pretty easy to understand why I'm going with Stanford.
0: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you're, you're a big Jim Harbaugh, Andrew Luck fan. So.
1: There you go.
0: <laughs> Next up here, Idaho State at number six. Idaho, the Battle of the Domes. Idaho State is coming out in a throwback throwback logo on their helmets which is very cool i appreciate it it looks way too much like auburn though yes yeah it's the battle of battle of who has the best dome
1: (laughs) no place like dome hey weren't you talking about how great idaho state was and how they weren't getting any attention earlier in the year yeah yeah uh That didn't turn out so well, and the inverse uh, happened for Idaho.
0: I was talking about it when they already had a losing record, because I love Idaho State, and even though they have a losing record, most of those games were at least close and fun to watch. Now, I also think this game is going to be closer than people are expecting. I do expect the Vandals to pull this out, and with that, I expect the Vandals to waltz into the FCS playoffs. But... I kind of like Idaho State.
1: <laughs> you just won't do it.
0: I can't You're bring myself to here. do it. I, I've I've called for too many weird upsets already. I can't I can't risk it. I'm only up by like four points. <laughs> <laughs> Next up here, Nebraska at Wisconsin, which people might foolishly believe is a recent rivalry, spurned on by the Invitation of Nebraska to the Big Ten, but oh no, this game has been going on for quite some time. It has only been a trophy rivalry for a little while now, but it's been played over ninety times. Uh, the Freedom Trophy Game, Nebraska at Wisconsin this weekend. This is an old school regional rivalry, regardless of what conference they have been in over the years. Very cool. Love to I see love it.
1: that. I love that. Look. Camp Randall's going to be jumping around, going into the fourth quarter, and I don't know that Nebraska has what it takes to withstand that and just the environment that they're going into. I don't know if they're ready. I'm riding with Wisconsin here. I'm curious why you and Tug went with Nebraska.
0: Yeah, i got to be real. This came down to one, one exact thing in my mind. How Wisconsin played last week against Northwestern was appalling. They looked so yeah. disinterested in being on the field against a Northwestern team who nobody thought deserved to be on a field this season at all against anybody. To lose 24-10, to 10, not even look like you had a shot in the game. Tanner Mordecai's out. The rest of the team feels like they've given up. And i got to be real, Luke Fickle didn't look that interested on the sidelines either. That's scary. This is... The last home game of the season, maybe that changes things significantly. I can't put my faith in that. That's fair. Both of these teams are fighting for bowl eligibility, and Wisconsin is doing it with both their arms tied behind their backs by their own accord. It is so weird to me what the Badgers are doing late this year. But... I. I, I guess I'm going with Nebraska. I don't feel good about it, but I just <laughs> I don't, can't believe. You don't want to do it. The way they did.
1: You don't want to do it, but you're doing
0: right. it. Right. That's exactly exactly how I'm feeling. I don't know what Tug's thinking with that one.
1: I, yeah, I was stunned that he took Nebraska. <laughs> I was stunned by a couple of games that he took too, but we'll finish with his games. We're going to start off with mine. Yeah. And uh, I've got a little little story time for each one of these. Now, the first game I'm taking here is Colorado at Washington State. You can catch it tomorrow or today if you're listening to the audio version. Friday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. I hate how much some people are coming down on Deion Sanders and saying, oh, see, he wasn't all he was cracked up to be. And a lot of that's because it got they got so hyped up to start out the year. They started out so right. hot, playing so well. A lot of that's really not fair to them, in my opinion. Playing for their bold lives against Wazoo in hostile territory. Can Dion get it done? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I do think he's been treated very unfairly by a vast majority of people at this point. And I think Wazoo is a great team. They're looking for their way to get into a bowl game. Doing it against Deion Sanders is definitely going to be some motivation for them as well. I would love Colorado to Mimos here. I'm not even going to lie to you.
0: Yeah, it almost feels like that kind of a game. Man, I believe in Washington State for some reason. I can't get over it. They started the year 4-0, 0-6 after that. Sounds but familiar. Mostly, really great teams. Uh, man, I I really want Washington State to win this. That's most of my thought process here. I gotta, I gotta be real. I, I can't
1: even, I can't even fully say I want Washington State to win this. I just think that they will. That's, I mean, that's that's really all it comes down to. I want Colorado to win this. I want them to get into a bowl game, and I want Deion Sanders to be able to. Tell Shador to go high stepping into the end zone every time during whatever bowl game they find themselves in. But I don't, I just don't see it happening this year. I really don't. It's a shame. But my next game, I said we would talk about the Missouri Valley Conference again. I Missouri Valley Football Conference, excuse me. I said we would talk about the FCS playoffs again and massive implications involved in a couple of these games. We have Illinois State. Coming in at six and four, taking on number 13, North Dakota, also at six and four. And this game's taking place at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. There was a time not too long ago that both of these teams could have been coming in at seven and three, and that is not the case. This game is so massive for playoff implications. We talked about it earlier. SIU is one spot ahead of NC Central. I might have seen it and not said it, but they're at 16. NC Central is at 17. Illinois State, unranked, also at six and four. SIU's at six and four. North Dakota's at six and four. If North Dakota wins this game, they're probably in the playoffs. I don't know where that leaves SIU, and I don't know where. I think that has to leave Illinois State on the outside looking in. Yeah. The flip side of it is, if Illinois State wins, there's a big argument to be made for them to get in. I think North Dakota would also get in. And I think SIU would have to be on the outside looking in because of how they've played at home against big-name big opponents and how they've played on the road against ranked opponents. To me, this game is massive as far as playoff implications go beyond just Illinois State, North Dakota, and even beyond SIU. This is a huge, huge, huge game for Missouri Valley teams to get into the FCS playoffs. So, of course, we're all going with North Dakota. But, man, I I feel more confident with North Dakota than I do with Washington State. But it is still not – it's still a very uneasy feeling right now because of just how much this game is going to mean on Selection Sunday. I
0: am – the scenario I am rooting for is that regardless of the outcome of this game, neither of these teams make the playoff. And that sounds really harsh, but look at who North Dakota has actually beaten this year. Mm -hmm. The only good win on their resume is North Dakota State, which, yes, that is a great win. And I just talked about how much I think the Bison will make the playoffs. They got shellacked, North Dakota did, by Northern Iowa, by South Dakota State, and they lost last week to South Dakota in what? was probably their real elimination game already. Illinois state hasn't beaten anyone of note. Mm-hmm. And they've played some close games against some pretty bad teams. So it was a one point win over Missouri State. Like you can't you can't do that.
1: <laughs> and that's why they're not ranked. And for what it's worth, I don't if I was on the selection committee, if I had a vote, SIU's not getting in. Like I I know I can sit here and beat the drum, and as a fan, I want them in, but looking at how they have played this year and how disappointing they have been, particularly on the road, they're not getting in. I do think the winner of this one, particularly if it's North Dakota, has a much better argument. Illinois State, this is going to be their signature win. It's going to be tough for them to get in, but that really changes the discussion around a couple other teams in the Missouri Valley.
0: I'm picking North Dakota here because they do feel like the definitive better team and their resume is better, which makes me believe in them more. I have a feeling it might not end up mattering. So even if North Dakota wins this, I don't know that their resume is good enough to put them over the hump because we already said, too, there are a lot of teams in this range, a lot of really good seven-win teams in the FCS right now. I mean, do you – would you really put North Dakota in over Mercer right now? I don't think that I would.
1: I, I think it would depend on how this game went. Yeah. I yeah. think if, if they win this one decidedly, I think then you can put them in over Mercer. But if they struggle and Mercer does what they've been doing the rest of the year, or they're idle this week, they're already at seven wins or whatever the case may be, man, it's, I get where you're coming from. I really do. I really do. I like I said. I don't envy the selection committee at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Last but not least, we see uh, we see New Mexico State coming in at eight and three to take on six and four Auburn during Cupcake, Cupcake Week. week. <laughs> yeah. Talk about Cupcake <laughs> Week backfire. And if you don't have SEC Network, go get it. This one's taking place at 4 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network. You know Auburn is not happy about this game right now. This was supposed to be an easy win, and now it is a trap game, point blank, period, dot. It's a trap game, and New Mexico State is primed to take advantage of it. Now, I've seen worse Auburn teams go into less than desirable bowls in Birmingham, Alabama, and dominate. That absolutely could happen here, and frankly, they're going to have to come out and treat this like that type of game because they're not going to be able to take it easy. There's not going to be the second half where the starters get some rest. However, looking at it as a trap game again, I'm going to put a little bit of faith in New Mexico State because I love that this happened. They're going to get paid so much money to go in, beat Auburn. I feel like whatever they get paid for this game, at least half of it has to go to Jerry Kill's uh, bonus fund, right? (laughs) probably (laughs) yeah
0: cupcake week quote unquote against a potential conference usa champion is kind of brutal yeah i gotta say one thing that gave me a lot of confidence in this auburn team is going back to earlier in the year the way they were able to win in an extremely ugly game at cal made me kind of believe in this team. And I knew they weren't going to beat Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, back-to-back-to-back. That's an insane schedule, and Auburn's not ready for that at this point in their rebuild process. But they've dominated some teams that very recently would have smoked Auburn the other way around, 48-10 to against Arkansas last week. I think Auburn's locked in a lot more than you're giving them credit for. And even though this has – some feelings of a potential trap game. They can see what record they have. They can already tell that they're, they've clinched their spot in the Conference USA title game. The players know this. I don't think it's going to be too much of a letdown. I'd I like Auburn. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I could see them being a 7-5, and five, like
1: legitimate, scary 7-5 and five team come bowl season. What do you remember what the bonus is if Jerry Kill gets this team to 11 wins with a conference championship and a bowl win? I think it's like a hundred thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> it's just the, the deal of a cent of the century here. Donald Trump's sitting there saying, Man, they, they read the art of the deal and they got it down to a T when they hired <laughs> this guy,
0: right? I don't. Know. <laughs> If they go undefeated national championship, a total bonuses, I think you would end up getting like half a mil. So.
1: And still 75 and a half million less. Right. <laughs> the Jimbo Fisher buyout.
0: Oh, man. Gotta love oil money. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moving on here. My games of the weekend. I'm starting us off with the de facto NEC championship game that will decide the automatic qualifier from the Northeast Conference into the FCS playoffs. Duquesne at Merrimack. What? Uh, So the Dukes are six and four. Merrimack, the Warriors are five and five uh, because the NEC sucks ass. Duquesne is undefeated in the NEC though right now. If they win this game, they'll be in the playoffs. But Merrimack only has one loss. If they beat Duquesne, they'll have the tiebreaker, of course, head-to-head. And uh, Merrimack could be in the playoffs. So I really have no confidence in the NEC to do anything once they get into the playoffs. But it's still fun to watch what should be a pretty evenly matched game and the playoff implications on the line. So both these teams are going to be coming out full force, and we'll see how powerful that full force actually is. But uh, I'm picking
1: the Dukes in this one. I'm riding the Dukes as well.
0: Tug took the home team. Of, of, of course, took the home team. That's, that's all he's got going for him, but <laughs> you know. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. I'm going with another FCS game, though. Alabama State at Prairie View A&M. Now, what's weird about this, I think technically both Alabama State and Prairie View A&M have a really outside shot at making this swag title game. Actually, Prairie View A&M leads the the West right now. Alabama State is in Florida a ms division. So I'm wrong about Alabama State making the SWAC title game. But Prairie View A&M has a real shot. I kind of lean both Prairie View A&M and Alcorn State losing this weekend, meaning that Grambling has a shot to get in. The SWAC West is weird. Uh, I'm siding with legitimately I have a couple of players that I like on Alabama State's team. The Hornets have been fun this year in some big-time games.
1: Uh, That's that's kind of my reasoning. You want Eddie George's team in the SWAC championship. That's why you did this.
0: No. Eddie George is the head coach of Tennessee State. You're thinking of Hugh Jackson at Grambling, which I definitely don't care about. (laughs) Oh, geez. And Southern fired their head coach, even though they're also in the race to make the SWAC title game this weekend. It's The SWAC is amazing. And I love it. <laughs> and we need more it's, of it. It's so great. <laughs> uh, we're all going to Alabama State, I think in part because none of us really know what to think of this Prairie View A&M team. And at least Alabama State's been fun and we've seen them do some fun things. But
1: yeah, I, Prairie View and m they've, they popped up. They've been fine, but they mm-hmm. don't do anything to really inspire confidence. They're five and
0: two in conference, five and five overall. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of those losses is the Houston Christian thirty to nothing. So Houston Christian's Ooh. not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. A little, a little swaction. Next up here is. Tug's favorite team. Uh, UNLV? Apparently, now, I guess, because we're all picking the Rebels against his real favorite team, the Air Force Falcons. This is very much so a Mountain West title game before the title game. Like, both these two teams are at the top of the standings. The winner of this game has a very clear shot to that Mountain West championship. The loser of this game is probably out of it, but it kind of feels like the winner of this one is the favorite the rest of the way. I don't know the situation with Air Force quarterback Zach Larrier. I don't think anyone knows the situation with him. I don't even know if Troy Calhoun knows the situation with his quarterback. So that's a big factor here in picking UNLV. I and think
1: Tug just wants them to lose so he can, you know, start banging the drum even more for firing Troy Calhoun. We almost had him. We were this close. I know. We, got him. I we know. had him on our side for a couple weeks. He was on the bandwagon for a good he was. eight weeks. <laughs> Man, he, he jumped off so fast, though. It was it was impressive. It was like it was on fire or something.
0: I, I can't even say it was eight weeks. It was really since that win over Navy, and then they lost to the Army. He was immediately out of the bandwagon once again and then they lost to Hawaii he's like fired Troy Calhoun and burned everything to the ground so (laughs) I was actually talking to him earlier today and we were discussing potential coach of the year candidates my coach of the year for the record is Jeff Brom at Louisville but he suggested Barry Odom should be in that conversation and I agree the turnaround with UNLV has been been very impressive, and if they win this game and win out, win the Mountain West, I think he should be in that conversation. Though I don't think he'll really win. What Barry Odom has done here in his first season with UNLV
1: is impressive. I mean, you know, we'll 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 have this conversation more in depth later, but you already know oh, what yeah. Coach of the Year candidates going, candidacy is going towards so we'll we'll get there i actually Uh, don't really interesting all right well i I, if if, if i had to guess it'd be mike morvell but it's not actually but that was an excellent guess uh yeah we're all coming with unlv so you know what happens if air force pulls this out and tug thought he was getting away from it oh it's gonna be it's going to be beautiful. Oh, your be coach soon. of the year is uh, Jim Harbaugh, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Next up, we have Tug's games. I'm going to take the first one because I want to talk about it for a little bit. It's SMU sure. at Memphis taking place at noon Eastern on ESPN2. Yes, the Memphis logo is bigger. And for the record, after I saw that Tug took this game, I considered taking Ohio State versus Minnesota, except for that game's going to be fucking terrible. And even though I wanted the hilarity of us all taking each other's teams, that game was literally going to be the worst of the three. So I said, no, I'll pass. The reason he took this one without even asking him is because of the implications in the American Athletic Conference. This was not some type of inside joke between us. There is a lot riding on this game. It's taking place in Memphis again. There were some rumblings last week. More fan hope and conjecture uh, that game day would come here. They've come for the Memphis SMU game before. Neither of these two teams really has done anything that worthy this season, both coming in at 8-2, Memphis having some bad, ugly losses, SMU in that same boat. The winner of this game, I don't want to say they control their destiny because UTSA and Tulane are still undefeated in the conference, but they put themselves in a very prominent spot to continue on and go to the conference title game. Obviously, SMU would be undefeated. Memphis would have one loss. Memphis wins. They take that spot over. SMU is the favorite on the road here. I really just don't want to see another team that's leaving the American Athletic Conference run away with the title on their way out the door, and that's part of the reason I'm riding with Memphis. The other thing is, with this game being at home, being such a big game, Jake Elliott went back and said, you know what, I'm buying 2,000 tickets. Just go type my name in on the website and you'll get, I think it was up to four tickets for free for Memphis fans. So fuck all the SMU fans that went and took advantage of it just to, you know, take empty seats and not show up. Fuck you guys. That's bad karma. And that's how you're going to lose this fucking game. I'm going with the Tigers, of course.
0: I mean, as expected. Uh... I don't know that I really have a great reason for taking SMU. I'll be will be completely honest with you. I like Seth Hennigan more than I like Preston Stone. Uh, I do like Jalen Knighton, but it's not like he's really legitimately better than your running backs. Um, I don't know that I really trust either defense, to be fair. I think a big part of this does come down to how close Memphis games have been in the past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and and last week against Charlotte there were just too many mistakes that were keeping them away from or keeping them from pulling away in that one. Seth was nursing a hurt hurt shoulder. They yeah. had the backup quarterback had to come in. Tevin Carter had to come in. He threw a pass. I mean, he stared down the receiver and then completely underthrew it straight to the the corner. And then a very, very uncharacteristic fumble uh on the uh on the one-yard line. I mean, it's there were and that was just the mistakes that the offense made. The defense is is the defense. They they bowed their neck near the end of the game and really helped cement the win and got the job done there. But, man, I this Memphis team is a lot better than I think they've played. And if they can pull it together and start really showing it, they'll be just fine. They've got the longest active streak of scoring, 20-plus points at the FBS level. They've got quite a home resume. They're one of six teams at the FBS level with, I think it's 40, 60 wins over the past 10 years. I mean, it's – the Liberty Bowl is a tough place to play despite the fact mm-hmm. that they don't sell out every week. Man, there's there's a lot of reason to take Memphis. There's plenty of reason to take SMU too. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I really like the Tigers in this one. I
0: guess if I have to give a specific example of where I believe in SMU more, look at the North the games they played against North Texas – SMU beat North Texas 45-21 mm-hmm. where Memphis only won by a field goal 45 to 42. like yeah. if I have to take a defense in this game, it would be SMUs even though I don't like SMUs defense that much either <laughs> right What is weird to me though, looking outside of just this one game, if we look at the American standings overall, should Memphis win this game, UTSA still has to play two At the end of Mm -hmm. the year. So, assuming Tulane wins that, I think the tiebreaker would end up going to Memphis, even though they didn't play each other, UTSA and Memphis. Memphis has the better overall record, Mm -hmm. simply because Memphis played an FCS school, and UTSA did not play an FCS school this season. So, I hate that it would work out in favor of Memphis, but I think that it would. And... Fuck Memphis for that. Gotta say, <laughs> your win over Bethune-Cookman is not as impressive to me as a three-point game against Houston for UTSA.
1: Should have shoulda beat Houston. Then we wouldn't have this conversation. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> the other option wow. is if, if Tulane comes out and just mud stomps UTSA, I think it's fair to say that Memphis deserves the spot over them. They played them pretty close. Not to mention... They had a one-possession game against Missouri, who was significantly better than Houston.
0: Yeah, but eye test is not usually a component in the
1: tiebreakers for conference championship appearances. Unfortunately. (laughs) We'll see. I can't can't wait to see how the message boards and Facebook groups go insane whenever Memphis wins and somehow still doesn't go into the conference championship game. (laughs) It would be something else.
0: Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) I want to take this next one. I'll give you the last one here because I am going to be going to this game this weekend, Central Arkansas at number 15, Austin P. This is the de facto United Athletic Conference championship game. Winner of this one will get the automatic qualifier from the UAC to get into the FCS playoffs. In the first year of the UAC's existence, it comes all down to this. What a, what a great scheduling just happenstance here. Uh, gotta love it. Oh, the, the, I, guess, I gotta stop stumbling over my words. Um, the UAC has been pretty impressive this season, just all around some really solid football. Austin P is definitely a part of that. Central Arkansas has been getting better as of late though we are all still taking the governors here. Eastern Kentucky in this conference, too. Tarleton State coming on strong. They have a really high investment in football, and I expect them to potentially make the jump to the FBS before too much longer Tarleton State. Uh, But even the Utah teams have been really solid additions to this conference. For an inaugural season, pretty great way to go out a seven and three at eight and two de facto championship game. And I would, if, if central Arkansas wins this, I, that's another team who's really on the bubble. does Austin P make the playoffs anyway. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I think this is another one where depending on how a couple other games go, how different things shake out and what the, what the committee wants, I could see both these teams making it into the playoffs. I did go back and forth between Austin P and central Arkansas Mm-hmm. but I like saying let's go P and that was really kind of the coin flip I had to do with myself. Central Arkansas also has not put together kind of the, the full package, the full year here, which is why they're on the outside yeah. looking in. Also, if the records were flipped, the ranking would absolutely be on Central Arkansas side with Arkansas or with Austin P on the outside looking in as far as the rankings go there. I mean, that's how good these two teams have been at different points throughout the year. But, yeah, the, the Govs are hot right now. It's hard to not go their direction.
0: I agree. Uh, but, yeah, there should be a fun
1: one. I can't wait. Last but not least, we have Kentucky taking on South Carolina in Columbia. I would normally love to say go Cox, but I didn't want to fall into Tug's trap because that's exactly what this was. This South Carolina defense has so many holes and has been exposed – so, so much. It is hard to put any faith in anything Spencer Rattler can do with that offense because of the absolute liability that is the entirety of that defense. Kentucky is going to dominate this one. Catch it on SEC Network after the Auburn game at 7.30 Eastern. Cats by 90. Let's go.
0: Which is kind of crazy, and I I mostly agree with that analysis. But if you go on to ESPN – which, why would you? But that's where I'm looking at this game right now.
1: Kentucky's only a two point favorite, according to them. Which is, yeah, that's insane.
0: And that's only on the betting side, ESPN bet, which is that branding is so weird to me. Uh, the FPI, ESPN FPI, actually has South Carolina with a 58% shot at winning this game. I don't agree with that at all <laughs> i'm taking the wildcats here i wouldn't be surprised if it's by two three scores yeah uh, i i don't feel like south carolina is i i don't, I don't see them being in this matchup really they, uh, which, they should be scary which is scary to me because that's usually when south carolina shows up is when they have no shot to show up yeah they so they are maybe uh... Maybe that's somehow factored into ESPN's analytics.
1: <laughs> they are back into a corner here. They straight up they should not have beaten Jackson State. They're Jacksonville State. They they got very, very lucky at home in that one. I they're not gonna do it against a better team like Kentucky.
0: And whoop de fucking do, they beat Vanderbilt forty seven to six. It's Vanderbilt. So <laughs> Uh, moving on here to the draft preview prospects, I got I sick this. of looking. At, I got sick of looking at the Detroit skyline, so I love this, uh, this Detroit Draft City. <laughs> oh man, All offensive and defensive previews to look out for this weekend. Starting us off with Jacob Cowan, wide receiver for Arizona second season with the wildcats after spending his first three collegiate seasons with the utep miners gradually building his resume at utep once he broke a thousand yards you knew he was going to find a place in the power five somewhere uh to break a thousand yards at utep is insane. and actually you look at that 550 yard season and say wow that's not really that impressive in 2019 that also led UTEP in receiving yards that year. Uh, he was their receiving leader all three seasons he spent with UTEP. This year looks like a huge drop-off, but some advanced analytics and some perspective really helps understanding this season. He does not lead the Wildcats in receiving yards this year, but he is being used in a very different way. Five eleven, 175 pounds, It doesn't always benefit you to put that kind of a guy on the outside and run some deep routes. It usually works out better to get him in short yardage situations and see what he can create after the catch. His receptions are about in line with the past couple of years. I expect him to either tie or break his career record for catches in a season of 85 last year. We Even with that, he's going to have a hard time breaking like 800 yards, which sounds crazy. Consider this, though, breaking a brand-new quarterback at Arizona. He's a backup quarterback in addition to that because their starter this year, who was also new, got hurt. All they're doing with Arizona this year is getting the ball in his hands and seeing what can happen.
1: Gotta love that offensive game plan. Even
0: with that, he has exceeded every other season of his career already with 10 touchdowns this year, more than he's ever done before. And his reception percentage is the highest it's ever been. Now that's a really unusual stat, what that essentially means is out of every time he is targeted how many times does he come down with the football that is not a great percentage that's 72 percent. but it also you have to take into account he's working with some pretty green quarterbacks let's put it mildly that's a nice way to put it yes when you look at marvin harrison jr keon coleman malik neighbors they're in about 95% reception percentage. I think, it's I
1: think you're insane. Your point but, here is it's not a hands issue. Right. He's getting
0: better with that every season, actually. And we can see from this, too, it is shorter yardage throws, it's easier percentage throws. He is catching everyone that comes actually is an accurate ball to him and making the most of those opportunities. 71 catches. And almost 400 yards after the catch with 550 total yards is insane. He's catching the ball very short this year, which is unusual. So it's tough to evaluate a guy like this based on this one season. Luckily, we have a couple thousand yard seasons before this where it looks much more traditional. A kind of guy that you want to get into testing and see what he can do. Uh, But I like to see his hands in a good spot now. And I like to see that he's adaptable and able to beat you in multiple ways. So deep threat last year at UTEP. More of a medium route guy who can get most of his yards after the catch. His first year at Arizona. And then this year, a short yardage guy who just finds a way to get in the end zone multi-tool player, even at 5'11", So, interesting guy. Worth worth keeping an eye on. Love to see it. And next up here, right. I'm going with defensive lineman Tyler Barron for Tennessee. Uh, this should be a good test, playing Georgia. Yeah, he, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that he only has five sacks on the season which is 30 it is impressive it is four more than i personally have and three more than are on the show at the moment (laughs) but he has 34 pressures this season uh which is a very important stat to keep in mind sacks are not the end-all be-all of defensive lineman production if you can make the quarterback be uncomfortable You've done your job already. That pressure rate is one of the best in all of college football. So, yes, he only has five sacks, but he gets in the backfield and disrupts the play pretty frequently. He also moves around the defensive line. I don't know if I would really call him a traditional edge at the moment. He does play a little bit of that like Aaron Donald-style pass rushing 3-4 edge, uh, which can be very useful in the NFL either in rotation or if you run a mostly three down lineman set, which a lot of teams are even going to now with more defensive backs on the field, this is the kind of guy you want in later rounds of the draft. So high production, even though the sack number is low, uh, much lower penalty rate this season, putting his hands in the right place instead of any hands to the face or anything stupid like that and not Putting dumb hits on the quarterback, only putting productive hits on the quarterback. Love to see that. If he can keep that up against Georgia, first of all, I don't expect that to happen. But if he can do that, that will (laughs) definitively boost his stock here. I could see this guy being like a potential third-round pick, like sneak into day two right now with some really under-the-radar production at Tennessee. It's, it's possible. Uh, only a four-year player could come back. I think probably won't because I do think he is just that good.
1: I had to get that UT Orange off my screen. I'm sorry. That's fair.
0: I knew you were going to hate it, but I also knew that it was going to be an interesting pick. And I, it gives us a good reason to watch that Tennessee defense Against this Georgia offense, which is what everyone's going to be watching anyway.
1: I will, <laughs> I will give you that. Those are those are excellent reasons to uh, to take him there. Hey, you know, Tug isn't here today, yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the links off now. Get them knocked out of the way. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to read off a Discord link that should work.
0: Oh shit!
1: If you want to support the channel monetarily, <laughs> head on over to patreoncom backslash BDT football or Catch us over on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. We're live there. You can subscribe. You can donate bits. It's awesome. It's a great way to help out the show, help us grow. Follow us on X or Twitter. Either one will take you there at BDT football on that application. You can head on over to facebook.com backslash BDT football and see our Facebook as well. On Instagram, it is BDT underscore football. We also have a website, bdtfootball.com. You can send us questions uh, via email at mailbox at bdtfootball.com or catch us live on YouTube or Twitch. We already talked about that one. When you go to YouTube, just search big dudes in the trenches. It'll take you there. You can ask us questions live. We'll get to it. Been a a bit since anybody's had the gumption to ask us a question. We surely haven't gotten an email with one yet. If you'd rather just talk to us, just you know, about football, whatever, check out our Discord, discord.gg. Get ready for it. Backslash 9GX3PTG36E. I'm not reading it twice. It's different than the one that's scrolling across the bottom, but you can check out the description below, and it'll have all of our links there available for you.
0: I want to share something real quick before we... Before we head on out of here, okay. we have we have a winner in the Riverbell Classic. Nichols has come out on top 21-16 to 16 after a scoreless fourth quarter for both sides. Nichols is your Riverbell Classic champion and definitive undefeated Southland champion headed into the playoffs for sure.
1: And we gain a point on Tug. That's the most important thing in all of this. Yes. <laughs> Love it. I got to say, you know, we're, we're live here tonight, November 16th. I have been growing my mustache back out. And I, mm-hmm. I I realized earlier that I hadn't been talking about November too much this year, which is shame on me. I, I I've been... Been going at it hard in different places, so to speak. My goal this year for fundraising was $300, and barely halfway through the month, we've met it. We've met it. We, we are changing the nice. face of men's health with November. We've met that $300 goal, but we've got half a month left. So if you are interested, that link will also be in the description. If you're with us live, it is in the comments Here. Uh, it would really mean a lot to me. They, they donate money to men's health charities worldwide, whether it's testicular or prostate cancer, men's mental health, suicide prevention, you name it. It's a men's health initiative. They're sending money their way. It's third year in a row that I've done it. I've loved every single year that I've done it. November 1st is always a sad day, but we start getting around this time of the month. Mustache is coming in strong getting the money going to the pla- the good places, uh, with the folks over at Movember, man, it's a, it's a great feeling.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. 300 right. bucks over and done with let's get to 500 this year.
1: Let's cool. do it. Let's do it. Why not? Hey, uh, what do you call a snail on a ship? Um, think back to your SpongeBob days, you know, this one, literally
0: all i can remember at the moment that that, now that you said spongebob is the gary please come home song
1: (laughs) it's it's from that episode too i'm pretty sure but you call him a snailer
0: oh gosh that's like so obvious that there's no way i was going to come up with that (laughs) come on unfair
1: (laughs) (laughs) i guess that only leaves one thing unless you got anything Nah, I'm good. I'm done. so so we, do we here. do do we do Tug's thing? Fuck no. <laughs> we will see y'all next week. Enjoy college football this weekend.